Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting here in a newly air-conditioned room with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. And uh, you boys are bloody frosty and I can see <laughs> your nips. I know, they're poking through. <laughs> Should have worn a vanity shirt. What is that? What does that mean? Uh, just a coin I phrased, so to speak. <laughs> um. I meant to say a phrase I coined, but I tried to cover it up by making it look like I did it on purpose. <laughs> Great to be here. Great to be here. <laughs> Too cold to think. And hey, good one uh, giving away that we sit during these reports. Yeah. Thanks for that. I wanted people to believe that we just walked around. <laughs> I levitate. <laughs> yeah, I'm a floater. <laughs> Can't get rid of me. I lie down, have a little nap, get in a little fetal position. I call it the egg. Yeah. Getting the egg. Yeah, it's good. It's that's crazy. sort of, it's really, that's pre fetal position. Yeah, wow. Yeah. If you think about it. And I am it. now. Okay. Which sure. came first, the fetal position or the pre-fetal position? Well, that's the pre- now I've said yeah, it out pre- loud. Yeah. <laughs> that's clear. I mean. You can hear that, can't that's you? That's a dumb question. That's okay. There's no dumb questions. I think there are. That was one. Actually, I'm sure I've probably said this, but somebody when I was at school, I was writing something down and a girl from school said, have you always been left-handed? Always? Really? That's a dumb question. Like as in you were pranking her? Yeah, like I converted last year. Wow. Have you always been left-handed? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What did you say? Have you always been left-handed? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Hey, imagine if there'd been some sort of twist there. Now, before we crack on with this week's lovely episode. Crack on like an egg. (gasps) The pre-chicken, as I like to call it. (laughs) Um, As we uh, pre-chicken on with the show... (laughs) We should tell you about uh, some live shows we've got coming up, including one next month. Very exciting. We're coming to Adelaide for the first ever time on March 10. And we would love you to be there, Matt. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd love would to Would you be come? There. Yeah, sure. Oh, awesome. I'm actually going to be in Adelaide anyway for Bone Dry, which is at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. 
for two weeks. Well, isn't that fortunate that we booked this gig at the same time? Otherwise, it would have been terrible. Hey, Dave, can I come? Please. Oh, sweet. That's so good. It's a great new venue at the Australian Wine Centre. It's going to be a real fun time. I can't wait to be there. Yes, so please come on down. It's uh, it's going to be a beautiful afternoon show. First time in Adelaide. Don't make it our last time, Adelaide, please. Yeah. Buy those tickets. Not to threaten you, but we won't come back. But come on. People told us not to go, <laughs> so we're judging you. Hang around for a glass of vino afterwards. Oh, we'll be hanging out. We'll be hanging out. We'd love to meet the great people of Adelaide with a glass of vino. I last- want a vino. I want a vino so bad. Last year in... Uh, in Adelaide, I was doing my show, and after one of the shows, I was down in the bar, and uh, someone came up to me and goes, you're not Matt Stewart from Do Go On, are you? And I said, yeah, I am. She's like, what are you doing in town? I'm like, oh, I'm doing my festival show upstairs at this pub. And she's like, really? What? You should have mentioned on the podcast. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I reckon I have at the start of every episode of the last month or something. She's like, oh, I always skip that bit. So she probably won't find out about the She won't show. know that we were ever in Adelaide, and she could have seen us live. Wow. Uh, well, that's really on her, isn't it? Yeah, totally. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, she also won't know that we're doing uh, four shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival at the end of March and throughout April. So we'd also love other people, including her if possible, to come along to those. Yeah, come along. They're very fun. They are fun. And we're only going to, so we're recording four of those. We're probably only going to release two episodes, two reports. So, so the other two will be after dark specials, even though they're in the afternoon still. No, but I'll make it dark. Yeah. I'm going to be super dark. I'm going to. Wear a skimpy outfit. <laughs> nice. I'm going to wear an emo outfit. I'm going to dress like a goth. Yeah. All right. I know they're not the same thing. I changed my mind. And I'm going to dress like a skimpy goth. And I'll be in the middle. Oh, yeah. Sexy goth. Like a yeah. sexy Halloween goth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm dressed up as a goth for Halloween. Oh, I'm so Ooh, sexy. I got sexy. eyeliner, but also a maid's Ooh. costume for some reason. <laughs> got eyeliner on my genitals. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Just wanted to define my balls. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's on the one eye. Yeah. <laughs> it's permanently winking. <laughs> a real fine line after that. I don't know what that means. The really. finest of lines. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, live shows come to those. Matt's also on tour around the country with Bone Dry. Yeah. Fantastic show. About to open in Perth on the 12th. So it'll be so good to see you there. And you can find out details about Perth, Adelaide, Brisbane and Melbourne at mattstewartcomedy.com slash gigs. And I'll say that you can use the discount code do go on. It's at least worth a try. <laughs> You're not sure if it's still valid. Yeah. But hey, give it a crack. Hey. Yeah. Why not? Uh, what's Roll. the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work. And then you just pay full price like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I've also, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I've got some cool merch to be selling after the shows if anyone's interested in these um, enamel pins in my face. So good. I haven't can se- have I, you seen those? I saw it on Facebook. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to pick can up. Can I have one? Yeah, can yes. we get one? I'll buy yeah. one. Yeah, come oh, on. Oh no, show. I just want one. Exclusively available after the show. You won't just give one to me now. Just come to the show. I'll be there outside the venue. Do you have some with you here? No, only at the show. That seems odd. Huh? What are you gonna do? Hmm. Guess I'm gonna have to go to the show. <laughs> hmm. Not happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll just linger out the front at the end of his show and then I don't have to sit through it. Oh, don't give people ideas, <laughs> Jess. Oh, yeah. You walk out to a crowd of thousands in the street, <laughs> but you performed to four. <laughs> Where were you all? That's not going to happen, Matt. Of course I will be at your show because your shows are always excellent and everybody else should be there too. Oh, yes. thanks, Bob. I'm just ragging on my friend. If you don't go, I will fucking, <laughs> I will find you 
and I will hurt you. Are you talking to me now or them? I'm talking to them oh, and goodness. you. Because oh, I'll be there, Matt. I don't want to die. Dave, you better be there. I want a pin. You better be there. And come after the Adelaide show in Adelaide. Mm, busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dave and I want to go some... see. We want to see pandas. Oh, oh yeah. Panda, not pandas. Pandas after dark. Oh, cute. Speaking of sexy goths. <laughs> <laughs> Both double eyeliner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of sexy goth, pandas. Bit of fun there. <laughs> All right, we better roll into this week's episode, which is going to be a fantastic report from none other than Matt Stewart himself. Report. Yes. Bob, do you want to explain what the show is for new listeners? Oh, my God, I would love to. Thank you so much. So yeah. what it is is I'm Jess. That's Matt. Dave's over there. The three of us have been doing this a while, and we take turns on a, like a rotation, doing uh, writing up a report that's suggested by a listener, and then we say it to the other two who don't really listen much and make some jokes. How's that? Yeah, I think that's that's apt. That's it. Yeah, I listen. Did you mention that uh, the people not doing the report don't know what the report's going to be about? Uh, and then we get on to the topic. That with was a question. implied. Yeah, that was. Implied. I Great. mean. Now you're kind of spoon feeding. Yeah. You know? Don't want to patronize. <laughs> Everyone got that. Yeah. But yeah, okay. If you want to just really mansplain. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit there, but all right. I said mansplain like it was a real thing. <laughs> bit of a joke there. <laughs> uh, so this week's question is and it, so this was suggested by two different listeners and it went up for a vote on Patreon. Uh, I put up all Australian topics because I saw someone a while back mention we hadn't done an Australian topic in a while, and I looked wow. back and we haven't done one for a few cool. months since few the shark arm murder. Really? Oh, that was a good one. So, Not to toot my own horn, that yeah. was mine, but it's a cool story. That is a cool story. I put up a few topics including Don the Bradman. Shark arm murder. Don Bradman. Uh, which got zero votes, or maybe one vote. Oh, the he, I've put him up like five times. You really want him, don't you? You really want to talk, because you want to talk about the Paul Kelly song. Yeah. Oh, well, the report would be the Paul Kelly song lyrics. Mm. Um, and uh, a few others, uh, including uh, Grizzly Murder yep. and uh, also uh, a man named Air who discovered Lake Air. Oh, okay. A white man who discovered it. Sounded ah. like a fascinating story. He also worked in Jamaica for a while. Anyway. The lowest point in Australia. None of those yeah. were voted for. This is the one that was voted for. And I'll get on to it with this question. What is the most infamous undiscovered gold deposit in Australia's history? Okay, the unwelcome stranger. Oh, hello. Bit of a joke there, because the largest one is called the welcome stranger. Oh, Dave. Well, this, this... I'll be high-fiving myself for that. Thank you. <laughs> this uh, would make the welcome stranger look like a piece of shit. Wow. <laughs> a little speck of shit on your shoe. <laughs> the speck of shit. <laughs> That's what they called. Original title. The speck of shit. It's named after the man who um, who was said to have found it but never, you know. And his name was? Lassiter's Reef. That's right. Jess, I think just pipped you at the post there, Dave. For God's sake, <laughs> let me have one. Dave, I'm giving you not one but two middle fingers. No. That's a double. Two per second. The Davy Double. Cop it. Cop uh, that. See, one of those things that I guess, I don't know if you're in the same boat here, but I've heard the phrase Lassiter's Reef. Yeah. Yes. One of those things that rolls off the tongue and then you go, what's that? I've yeah. got, I've got absolutely that? nothing. Yeah, what's that actually? I mean? had no idea about it. I had no idea it has anything cool. to do with gold. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, that's I, I didn't either. I would have assumed coral 
Yes, but apparently it's, it's got nothing to do with it. It means a very different meaning of the word reef. Oh. Uh, it was suggested by Jess from Melbourne. Who, Thank you, yes. And also... Oh, that is rigged. No wonder she got it. And also Vinny... I, want, I wanted to learn more. Vinny Policastro from New Jersey. New Jersey. Oh, and that is clearly Jess's cousin. <laughs> yeah. Cousin Vinny. Cousin, We've all got Vinny. a cousin Vinny, mate. We do. Uh, so let us begin. Oh, please. Lewis Hubert Lassiter was born on the 27th of September in 1880. 1880, right. A good year. Uh, he was born in Bamgany in Victoria, which is the next town over from Meredith, a location of the great Meredith Music Festival that all three of us have been to. Bamgany. So have you seen signs for Bamgany on your way to Meredith? Did you no, know it's just sort of town? beyond it. I'd, yeah. I've seen signs, but I don't think I've ever been through it. Yeah, cool. Because I, I wouldn't have been able to even tell you that was Victorian. No, definitely not. Uh, it's a tiny, tiny little town, right in the heart of sort of Gold Rush area, not mm-hmm. too far from Ballarat. But obviously, was born after the after the Gold Rush, as Neil Young once called his album. <laughs> uh, his parents were an English couple, William and Agnes Lassiter. Agnes. Agnes Nee Crookshank, which yeah, is Agnes Crookshank. I'd love to check the. <laughs> Oh, I love what? that name. You thought I was going to love yeah. Agnes. I, I love Agnes Crookshank so much. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> Agnes. Agnes. I would love oh. to check the Australian birth records to see over the last 10 years if there's been a single Agnes born. Weird thing, I don't mind Angus, but Agnes is hard to say. I don't like how the shape of my mouth makes. I don't know why, but I think of a dying plant. Agnes. Mm. Yeah, I think of a tumour. Ang. I think the NG is a much more satisfying. Yeah, than Ag. Agnes. Ag. Ang. No good. Sorry, Agnes. I'm sure you're nice, but. Angus. Agnes Crookshank. Crookshank. Mm. Love it. Anyway, Agnes died when he was young. Happy about that, Jess? Great. Are you happy? Thank goodness. Don't worry. We don't have to hear about her anymore. (laughs) Sorry, Agnes. And his father remarried. Not heaps is known about. Uh, the childhood of Lewis Lassiter. And we don't know his stepmum's name. Hopefully it was better. No. Disappointing. No, we're moving on. Imagine if it was another Agnes. Oh, he, oh he's got a type. He's got a type. <laughs> oh, we've got a type. His type's Agnes. Uh, loved, I only date Agnes. I love dying plants. What can I say? <laughs> English. <laughs> I don't know why we've done this. Hey. hey, this is 1880. We had different accents. What back can I then. say? Hey, zip it. Hey, zip it. <laughs> <laughs> Zip it, fish face. <laughs> I love Agnes. Is that a crime? If it is, okay. Guff me, boys. <laughs> so not a lot's known about his childhood, but the following, I've, I've written off a, a bunch of dot points that I got from the Australian Dictionary of Biography. That sounds like a great source, is it? That's a good source. Yeah, nice. Uh, he claimed to have served four years in the Royal Navy, being discharged in 1901, though there is doubt about this. Mm. Uh, he travelled to the United States of America Ooh. where he married Florence Elizabeth Scott at Clifton Springs in New York State. Love that. On the 29th of December, 1903, and converted to Mormonism. Uh, he returned to Australia around five years later, living on a farm in New South Wales and working as a maintenance man and writing for a local newspaper. In 1913, he submitted a design for an arch bridge over Sydney Harbour. This, so this caught my attention Obviously, because probably the most famous man-made landmark in Australia is the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Um, But it turns out a lot of people proposed different versions of a Sydney Harbour Bridge between 1815 
and when construction finally began in 1923. So it's not necessarily that noteworthy, but some say that he was the first to um, suggest a uh, that kind, a similar design. I am a little bit obsessed with the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yeah, right. I love it. I don't know why. I go to Sydney fairly often, and every time I get the chance to drive over the bridge, I lose my shit. It is, I love it's it. Weird to be drive over a postcard sort of thing. Like yeah, that. it was like when we drove over the bridge in Bristol. I know yeah. that bridge from pictures so much, so it's so surreal to be driving over it. Yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah, that that uh, and that was a beautiful bridge. It's a beautiful bridge. But, yeah, the uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge is the same. I reckon that would potentially make a really good episode. Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yeah, I feel oh. like there's a, a big story in that somewhere. I am I keep thinking that I want to get it as a tattoo. And then I think people would be like, oh, you're from Sydney. I'm like, no, I just really like the bridge, <laughs> which seems kind of odd. But I'd love it. Do you love a lot of bridges? Are you a bridge fan? No, I just really okay. love that bridge. I love looking at it. I love driving on it. I love catching the train across it. I love Sydney Harbour Bridge. If Sydney Harbour Bridge is listening. Is there a train that goes over yeah, that Yeah, you can get a train across. I didn't know that. Yeah. Have you climbed it? No, but I want to. Oh, I've done that. Yeah. I really want to do Great it. Great view. Like, yeah, you say you love it and you haven't even climbed yeah. it like Dave. Haven't even climbed it because I respect it. Oh, yeah, good. Okay. Yeah, I good. also love my mum. I don't climb all over <laughs> her. <laughs> I've climbed on your mum. <laughs> We've all climbed. Nothing weird. Nothing weird. Just climbed her like a tree. Yeah. She's very short, Dave. Yeah, well, it was an easy climb. Well, I'm short even shorter. Climb. That's true. I anyway, think, sorry you, to derail, but I just wanted to put it out there that I love the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Can you, can you b- believe that maybe we're going to later this year drive across the Golden Gate Bridge? Is know. that the red one? Yeah. Yes, it is. I don't know if I can The one from it. Full House. Fuck, maybe I really like bridges. That's a beautiful bridge. It's a beautiful bridge. I love bridges. Hey, guys, we'll cross that one when we come to it. In sorry, in 1915, he lodged a provisional specification for a patent disc plow. So he's he's. I'm just trying to show that this guy is all over the shop. He's got range. Yeah, he does. Um, supposedly in the navy, uh, he travelled a bit. Uh, written for a local paper, working in maintenance, designed a bridge. Uh, putting in for patents for a disc plow, whatever the hell that is. Then when World War, uh, the First World War kicked off. He moved to Melbourne and tried unsuccessfully to enlist, but that didn't stop me. Tried again. What was he being rejected for? Because I thought they... health. I think he was right. just not up to scratch. I suppose as the war went on, they get more and more desperate. There, right? Yeah. He so he tried it again, uh, and in early 1916 was enlisted in the Australian Imperial <laughs> Force. There you go. They took anyone by that time. But eight eight month eight months later, he was discharged as medically unfit. So he sort of got in there for a little while, but then again, they're like, "Oh, hang on, no." <laughs> No good to us, I guess. Uh, the following year, he re-enlisted in Adelaide. Ooh, keen. This time, he lasted only three months before being discharged with an unspecified illness in November of 1917. Uh, in 1919, he was granted a patent for an improved method in the treatment of wheat for storage, uh, but he didn't pay the fee, so the patent lapsed. Oh. Would it have made him rich? I mean... An improved method of the treatment of wheat for storage. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, it would yeah, have yeah. made it richer. <laughs> I mean, come on, Dave. I mean, there's no dumb questions, but again, another dumb <laughs> that question. Was pretty, that, was wow. pretty, that was next level stupid. <laughs> God, he would have been a billionaire. Yeah. Then on the 28th of January, 1924, he married again. Uh, so he's double married now. 
What? Oh, has the wife been traveling with him the whole time? I don't or think did she so. stay in the States? I think she stayed in the States. Oh. Which, and Mormon people often do have more than one partner. Oh. Right. Okay. I think, yeah, that de- yeah, that might depend, but. Yeah, not, it's not all of them, but I think that they. Only the hot ones. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> honestly, like different continents, you know. Oh, yeah, you get different hemispheres. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's rules my northern rules. hemisphere wife. Yeah. It's almost like it's a like different, a... like, dimension. Right. It's like having a holiday house. Yeah, it's a holiday, a holiday wife. wife. Yeah. Sure. Um, this time uh, it was to a nurse named Louise Irene Lillywhite. Oh, Louise Lillywhite is cute. <laughs> Love but it. Louise Irene. Yeah, get rid of Irene. But you never use your middle name, do you? Then between 1925 and 1929, he worked in Canberra as a carpenter, uh, had a feud with his local council for some reason over a, over his house. He worked on a patent for a pre-cast concrete, uh, managed a pottery in Sydney, worked on the construction of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. <laughs> the whole time being like, you know, I thought of this. Yeah. yeah well, that, And then he publicly claimed to be the original designer <laughs> of the arch bridge for Sydney Harbour. So he... Yeah, I, I just reading through that list in quite quick succession, I was like, bloody hell. They did a lot. How, I mean, do, so, they, how do they build bridges? I believe uh, that one was from one side and then the other side, and then they joined them in the middle. Have right. you seen the Gotta get that right. progression of the photos? Yeah. Yeah, yeah imagine that. You're a metre off. Ah, <laughs> oh, crap. Even being like a few mil off is fucked. And then one, side's like, one yeah. side's like, well, I'm not tearing my side down. Yeah. Nah. You start again. So it just has a chicane in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it goes on. Anyhow, so, <laughs> so Lasseter uh, had lived an interesting life up until this point, but it's what happens next that is the reason he's known most. That's right. What happens next is even more interesting than managing a pottery in Sydney. I don't think. Even more interesting than some sort of disc barn the device? Wheat, the wheat patent thing? <laughs> yeah. Wheat storage? I don't think yeah. so. Even more interesting than wheat well, storage. Well, I mean, good luck. <laughs> So apparently he went by a bunch of different nicknames, my favourite being <laughs> Possum. That's a good nickname, I reckon. That's good. Do you know any possums? Yeah, a girl I went to high school with, uh, to primary school with, her mum called her Possum. Right. Yeah, it feels like a like an infantile sort of thing. Not There's a, 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 nah, a po- she was 43. <laughs> There's a politician uh, from South Australia, I believe, Fraser Gorman, and he had to come out publicly on the record last year because the media, there was some issue over his uh, academic transcripts he was claiming he'd been to two universities, which he had, and then the media came across it and they discovered that his middle name by, by law is Possum. Really? And then he had to come out and do a press conference. We talked about this on the project because it was, it was such a bizarre moment. He had to come out and be like, uh, so my parents, uh, yes, they loved me when they were, you know, when I was uh, just before I was born. And then, that um, changed. When I was born. <laughs> and then, uh, then there were some uh, possums on the roof and my parents loved the possum. So uh, when I was born, they called me Fraser Possum Gorman. <laughs> it was such a, he had to have a press conference about it. Why? Leave him alone. It was so strange. Who cares? So I do know a possum. People have weird middle names. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mine's very silly. Yeah, it's so dumb. Don't say it. All right, I won't. It's embarrassing. Cashmo. Oh. Damn. <laughs> um, uh, so here, one of the sources I've used quite a bit is an article from the New South Wales State Library website, and here's a little description they um, have written down there. From back in the day, uh, Lasseter is an, a little nuggety fellow, darkish complexion, flat chubby face with no nose bridge. Ironic, because he was obsessed with the bridge. Maybe that's why. Uh, he was partly bald and his scalp showed many deep scars. Which part was he bald? 
forehead. He was a man of jumbled moods and never quite happy. Oh, yeah, can his, light. His special pastime was singing hymns, all set to the one tune. Hang on, what? <laughs> he loves singing Mormon hymns, and apparently they're all set to the same tune. What, what, what was the quirks. tune? Say the bombers fly up, up. <laughs> yeah, that's where that song came from. Happy birthday to you, you. <laughs> that's your version of a Mormon hymn? I don't know any Mormon hymns. Yeah, well, grow up. Read uh, a book, Dave. Read a bloody book. Read a hymn book, mate. Anyway, <laughs> on the 14th of October, 1929, Lassiter wrote to the federal member for Kalgoorlie, a man named A.E. Texas Green. Texas was his nickname. I'm like, oh, I wonder why this is. Looked it up. It's because he went to America for a bit. Wow. <laughs> All right, Texas. <laughs> He's like, oh. Here we go. Here All we right. bloody go. Hey, I lived, lived in Oklahoma for three months. <laughs> oh, Texas. Yeah, Texas is back. Uh, oh, Texas big man. Pete's over here. All, All right. right. Oh, well, Sheriff's back from Texas. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, and in this letter, Lasseter claimed that decades earlier, he had discovered a vast gold-bearing reef in central Australia saying it bared gold as thick as plums in a pudding, whatever, whatever that means. What's just like little specks throughout a pudding? Yeah, I don't think you've, you've cooked it well enough or chopped up the plums. That's not, Are you so, putting full plums in a pudding? That, that's fair. Yeah, well, that's what I do. Oh, Maddie. I just put plums in a bowl. Here's a plum, here's a plum pudding. <laughs> oh, dear. So just to confirm, People he's writing a letter <laughs> saying, I've found this reef. He said uh, decades earlier. Right, I found okay. this reef. Yep. I always thought a reef, I assumed it had something to do with like coral reefs and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But apparently a reef in this case is another term for like a vein of some mineral or ore. So it's just a long stretch of rich in a certain mineral or ore. Or, or, or. Rich. Rich. It's very right. rich. I no. guess that makes sense when you think about a coral reef. But apparently nothing to do with. I know, but just the word reef. Right. I have no idea. Maybe they have lots to do with each other. They spell it the same. Maybe they live together. Maybe they love each other. Oh. Why don't they get married? Why don't they get married? Reef and reef sitting in a tree. It would lead to some awkward moments like when guests come, are you with the uh, reef side or the yeah. reef side? You know, oh. confusion. So God. Confusion in shoes. Reef or reef? Mm. I beg your pardon? Ugh. Ugh. That, that usher is having a terrible And then time. later at the at the reception, they're serving mm. beef or reef, and it's just confusing everyone once again. Yeah. Uh, beef for the reef and a reef for the reef. No worries. <laughs> Coming right up. Uh, he said a fortune was there to be made if the government would invest in some infrastructure, including an adequate water supply. And he, he had this idea of make uh, making a big water pipeline from a dam uh, that was going to be hundreds of miles long. Uh, he claimed to be a competent surveyor and prospector. Like he, he seems to just say whatever he needs to be, he's good at it. Mm. Right. And he's, but it sounds like he must be pretty good at a range of things. Yeah, it seems he's like he's a, by. certainly he's very good at seems to be very good at talking and communicating and, and um, getting people to believe what he's saying to some degree. He said he could do this for tw- uh, two thousand pounds. He'd be able to. Survey the route for them. Uh, he also sent a letter to the relevant Western Australian state minister and suggested that the state and federal governments could share the cost. The following month, he was interviewed by Herbert Gep, uh, the chairman of the Development and Migration Commission. Herbert. Herbert. Already amazing. Love it. Gep. Gep. Yeah. How many P's? Double P. Fuck yeah. Like Dep. Yeah. But Gep. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, you're getting it. You're gapping it. Uh, also, was uh, in the in the meeting, uh, the interview was geologist Dr. L. K. Ward. So back in those days, there was a lot of double initial surname sub things. Hmm, DJ Warnicky here. DJ Warnicky in the house. <laughs> uh, sounds like Lasseter was relatively convincing in these meetings. Some sources say that they were just like, nah. And others say, yeah, they were sort of on board, but uh, they were still a bit sceptical of such a reef's existence. And both governments decided to pass on the offer. Potentially this was in part because the government was now in a lot of financial trouble due to the Great Depression. Not a good time. No, here's a fun fact. Apparently, Australian Prime Minister James Scullin was in office for only two days before Wall Street crashed, bringing on the Great Depression in Australia. How unlucky is that? That is correct. That's your great, great... My great, great uncle. Great, great uncle. Mm -hmm. Two days. And he crashed Wall Street. He crashed Wall Street single-handedly. What a fool. Yeah, not bright. Apparently, it (laughs) it became like a saying... Almost like uh, you got the luck of Jim Scullin. Yeah. Because he just had the worst luck of any prime minister. Just, well, I mean, maybe there's people with worse luck, like um, Holt, who went to see. But yeah. still, pretty bad luck in terms of professionally. You're like, and all right, finally got to the top. Oh, no. Yeah, wow. like you'd still be so excited. You'd still be celebrating. You know that you're the you're the PM, you're the top dog, and then it's like, oh, okay. Uh, we got a phone call. Yeah, this Pro- is Mr. Not Prime good. Minister. Things. Uh, nah, I can wait. Can't be that bad, can it? It's popping champagne. It's the Great Depression just started. <laughs> the Great Ooh. Depression, sir. Does that okay. mean anything to you? A little bit of sensitivity, Jim. I can call you Jim now because you're an insensitive <laughs> Prime Minister. Anyway, it's my family, so that's where I come from. I've got the luck of the Scullins over here. But I come from great leadership, you know? That's why I had such good leadership skills in school. Right. That makes sense. In primary school, I was school captain and blue team captain at the same time. Wow. Share the love. No. (laughs) I will lead. Mm. Mm. Uh, So he was rejected by the government, uh, but did not give up easily. Uh, as he then approached the Australian Workers' Union in the hope they would fund his his survey. Maybe the government said, we can't do it just because we're in strife. We couldn't be seen to be throwing money into this expedition. But maybe maybe you should talk to this guy in the union who used to be a a Labor uh, minister, I think, or at least a Labor member, I believe, who is now running the the union. So uh, he talked to the Australian Workers' Union. Well, he sent a letter through and had more luck this time. Uh, This may have had to do something again with the Great Depression because people were out of work and looking for opportunities to pull themselves out of it. So maybe that was in part why they took a gamble on this little bit. The story he told of how the gold reef was discovered was showing contradictions though. Some say that he, so in the first letter uh, to the government, he said it was about 17 years earlier that he discovered it. But in his letter to uh, the union, to John Bailey, the leader of the union, boss of the union, uh, he said that he found the gold in 1897 when he was just 17. So uh, So a lot longer. A lot longer, yeah. Um, Another yeah, 13, 14 years earlier. Right, yeah, that's a big Which jump. is a bit weird. Um, apparently, uh, so th- this is basically an abridged version of what he told Bailey uh, from the website egold.net.au. After an unsuccessful excursion to a failed ruby rush in the East MacDonald Ranges in Central Australia, so he, 
he was working on a job, got bored of that, and then went over because he heard there was a there was rubies to be found. Got there, turned out to be much less valuable red rock sort of <laughs> st- <laughs> some sort of red rock, but yeah, it was not not worth anything. So um, it goes on to say, instead of retracing his steps through Queensland, he decided to travel through desert country to Carnarvon on the Western Australian coast. En route, he stumbled accidentally upon a reef of gold some 16 kilometres long. 16 kilometres long worth of gold. In Western Australia? Uh, In Northern Territory on his way to Western Australia. And he waited at least 13 years to tell anyone or get any of it. Oh, that's not exactly right, but something like that. Um, So not long after the find, this uh, this is still from Eagold, not long after the find, his horses died, he became lost and was on the ground Basically, his story, this is all his story to um, the Union. Mm. He was all but dead when an Afghan camelier and, uh, came along, picked him up and took him to a surveyor named Harding. Uh, apparently, despite being close to death, he uh, kept a bag filled with samples of gold from when he discovered the gold and uh, showed them to Harding, who was super excited by the gold uh, and was like, you got. We got to go back there. We got to go check it out. This is all still part of the story he's telling. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, take me to the reef, right? But Lassiter was said he was so scarred from his near death experience he never wanted to go back. But eventually he relented, and they went back together, rediscovered the gold with Harding. But soon after, Harding died, leaving Lassiter as the only living person who have seen the reef. How convenient. Mm. Uh, this so this is the story he told Bailey. Seemingly with many holes, but still a bloody good story. Part of it was that he basically, the story basically means that he ended up walking from Queensland to Western Australia. A lot of that on foot. Like thousands and thousands of kilometres, often through the desert. Yeah, like kind of like, I don't think anyone would have done it before then. Especially solo. Yeah. With a dead horse. Yeah, at times he had a horse, I think, and at times he was on a camel, but. It's it, it's all very far-fetched sounding. And if it was true, there was someone in that meeting with the union boss, Bailey, who knew a bit about this stuff. He did the sums. An estimated value of the gold would have been £66 million in 1929 money. Whoa. Which I imagine translates like, to trillions. Yeah, a butt ton. Not sure, hundreds of millions. At the hundreds least. of trillions. Is that billions? What you think? Billions. Trillions of trillions. Hundreds of quilcrons. Google.org. Wow. That's a lot. So he found it but let decades pass for whatever reason. Some say that he tried to find it a few times during then but he couldn't. Then the Great Depression hits and he starts pitching around this idea. I mean, I mean bad timing. Terrible timing. Nobody, I mean, yeah, we all want the gold but we just don't have the resources to go get it right now. But may or Maybe it- tell us five years ago. Yeah, but is it is it weird that he's asking now? Is he going? Well, now there's people who are desperate, maybe desperate enough to take a pun uh, on this story, or maybe yeah, who knows? But if they take, well, what would be his thinking? Like, well, you need money because of the Great Depression. I know where we can find a lot of gold. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, that, that maybe. Oh, you you want money? Oh, I know where there's like unlimited money. Would that, would that be interesting Is that you? what you want or? Would that, is that something you might? Because I could take you there. If you want. If you want. Up to you. Totally up to you. Uh, while pitching an expedition to Bailey, he told the union boss that he was a qualified ship's captain 
and that he had worked for years on coastal boats. But as I said before, uh, there is doubt about this. Feels like a bit of a weird lie anyway because he's like, trying to going inland. Things. Yeah. Yeah, like why bring that up? Don't worry about it. If we have to cross the ocean, I'm your man. Now into the desert. According to the Australian Dictionary of Biography, which is, it is a, a great name. source. Let's but call the ADB. But it sounds weird. <laughs> to me, it sounded like someone made up a source. The, yeah. It's got the Australian, the dictionary, and the biography. Yeah. That's very possible. Would you not call it maybe the biography dictionary or something? Yeah. Australian dictionary. That was probably taken by another equally great source. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so ac- according to the ADB, in follow-up <laughs> interviews with men interested uh, by the expedition, including f- a man called Fred Blakely, uh, also, Errol Coote and, <laughs> and others. Oh, come on. That is. That's a great name. That is top Fantastic quality. name. Coote. All, all the names are great in this. Um, apparently, the story varied in detail and aroused suspicion. Nevertheless, the lure of gold in a time of economic depression led to the formation of a search expedition for the reef. Ooh. I suppose people are, you're pretty desperate. So you're like, no, he mm. sounds like he's bullshitting, but maybe he's not. If I've got he's, nothing to lose. Because if he's not bullshitting and if you can go find some gold, then you're like, you're more than, a, you're set up forever. Like you're good. Mm. So it's it like, well, I can't get a job in the city anyway. I may as well go with this yeah. crackpot. And they're also, the money that's going to fund it is sort of coming from the union. So it's sort of coming from the, the workers are paying for it anyway. Right, so it's kind of like you're just investing your time rather than your life savings. Yeah, I think I think everyone on there is getting paid to go. Oh fuck yeah! Ah, oh. so it's more. It's as soon as it's mainly getting uh, the man uh, John Bailey to okay it, and once he does, uh, he puts together this motley crew um, to to go in, which is always good. There should be a movie made of this with like um, American comedian actors, like. Mm. Adam Sandler and stuff, I think. Yes. Doing Australian accents, though, preferably, because I love it. I do, too. When Americans do Australian accents. I do, too. It's real fun. I think it sounds a little something. I like this. Okay. All right. There you go, What's going on here over here? Something like that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Now, I reckon I'll let that do you reckon me. Okay. Now you're just talking like you talk. (laughs) I changed a little bit. How? I added a added a higher pitch. Yes. You're right. I hear it now. Thank you. Uh, a team was put together led by Fred Blakely, a man with a bit of bush experience but no experience whatsoever <laughs> leading an expedition. <laughs> bit, bit of, of bush, bush experience. experience. Join the club, mate. All right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, along with uh, a prospector named George Sutherland, an engineer and driver named Philip Taylor, another driver, Fred Colson, an airplane pilot called Errol Coote, who we heard about before. <laughs> Coote's flying the plane. <sighs> G'day, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, your uh, air captain, Errol Coote, speaking. Captain Coote. <laughs> I wish pilots said g'day. That'd be sick. Maybe, I, I like Qantas, it when they, they should say it. Yeah, I like it when they try to be a little bit funny, a bit cheeky, make a bit of a joke, and you're just like, shush, I can not I can barely hear what you're saying anyway because all I hear is... <laughs> We'll be cruising in about. Uh, yeah, they always have that little that, that pause and uh, yeah, uh, the vocal fry. Yeah. And uh, so we'll be pulling in uh, yeah. in about uh, fifteen. Uh, Going to be minutes. circling around and uh, landing a few minutes ahead of schedule at uh, three minutes past ten. Taxiing uh, and uh, <laughs> trust you've uh, enjoyed the flights. <laughs> uh, 
I look forward to seeing you next time you choose to fly. Uh, Cross-check, you prepare the cabin for landing. <laughs> if, uh, if you're visiting Melbourne, we hope you enjoy your stay. And if uh, Melbourne is your home, uh, welcome home. Uh, <laughs> and making up the crew was Captain Blakeston Houston. Nice double barrel name. Blakeston? Who was listed as explorer but was also the Governor General's aide. So that was an interesting combo there. Yeah. Lasseter rounded out the group as guide. So how many How many are we talking? Seven, I think. Nice. One, two, three, four, five, six, six seven. seven. And if they have a pilot on board, are they flying at all? Yes. Cool. Um. Lasseter was paid five pounds a week for his role. Uh, before they set off, Bailey became nervous that all the knowledge of the relocation was in Lasseter's head. And though Lass- we've got to get it out, <laughs> where's the ice pick? <laughs> Crack this egg open. Uh, no, Lasseter wasn't keen to give up the location. He agreed to write the coordinates in invisible ink on some paper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, guys, I'll make a deal. <laughs> You hear the word invisible ink, the phrase, you're like, oh, crap. We are going to die. <laughs> this guy's a loon. Oh, crap. Uh, Tell you what I will do. <laughs> I'll send a carrier pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> if I die, find the pigeon. No, the You'll pigeon, know the one. The pigeon will find the you. The pigeon will find you. <laughs> Sorry, he agreed to put the – well, this is – and this was agreed to with Bailey. Well, Bailey so wasn't ha- coming along. He was the, the union boss who was – Funding it, but he was staying um, in civilization. There is also that key part in the Mormon religion, parodied both on South Park and in the Book of Mormon, where Joseph Smith, founder of the of Mormonism, reads some golden plates, and someone dictates what he's reading out and translating, but they're not allowed to see the plates. Right. And then, yeah, he's got to do it twice, and the second time he has to use different plates that it has a different meaning to the first one, <laughs> so he can't even repeat it. Right. So I can see this invisible ink thing making sense to this guy. Yeah. Um, so so the, he said he'd put it on in, uh, on paper in invisible ink and then that paper was to be held securely in a bank vault in case he died for whatever reason. And when, did, when did invisible ink come in? Uh, I mean, and if it's in a bank vault, why does it have to be invisible? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of paranoia. I guess with big fortunes like this, people are like, I don't, I've got... The key to this guide, I don't want to tell you where it is and, and you find it without me, mm. I guess, is what he's saying. Um, according to the New South and and you can understand why they'd be like, what happens if you die out there? Yeah. You're the only one who knows where it is. So apparently wrote down the exact coordinates of where it was. Um, or he just remembered him, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> Imagine remembering coordinates. Hey, 66 million pound fortune at that time. I'd remember a few numbers. How many? One. What number? One. Ah. <laughs> My coordinates are? One. One. <laughs> Got the pen and paper out. <laughs> According to the New South Wales State Library, the Thornycroft Motor Company heard about the expedition and their manager donated a vehicle for use during the expedition. It was a Mini Cooper. <laughs> and everybody piled in and that uh, was nice. Yeah, it was seven. I reckon you could. It was green. Oh. Ask me anything. British raising green? Ask me anything. <laughs> no. Like an olive. It was oh. quite ugly. They, like Mr. Bean's car. Yeah, they kind of tried to, they were trying new colours and they tried that one and they went, oh, that's gross. So that's why you just give gave them that one. Yeah, 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 just give it to an expedition. We'll basher. look good, but we don't have to look at the yuck, the yuck colour. Right. Yuck. Not like a nice olive. Oh. Like a, like a really yuck olive. 
Like a poo brown olive. Poo olive. Polov. Right. Not a Kalamata. No. No, no, no. The king of olives. Mm. Oh, I love a Kalamata. 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 Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought of here I am at Kalamata. <laughs> Marge is Lisa or Camp Granado. <laughs> That's the Simpsons one. Um, no, it wasn't a mini. It was a huge six-wheel truck that was not particularly suitable to the terrain that they were going to be heading into. <laughs> Apparently, uh, when locals saw it, they were like, you should be using camels. That truck does not make yeah, sense here at all. It's not going to last. Um, they also uh, got a light plane, um, and it was renamed Golden Quest for the journey. Mm, I like that. Yes, finally, a name I can get on board with. <laughs> uh, they so this is, now they've got the most well equipped well equipped expedition of its kind ever till that point <laughs> on a mining expedition. And still, locals are looking at it saying, "Nah, I should yeah, get camels because yeah. it's super well equipped, but it, not necessarily well equipped <laughs> for this particular yeah. mm. job. It's all a bit haphazard. I mean, they only one guy knows where they're heading." Right, yeah. the, six of the seven hey, don't, don't even know whether they know they're going into the. Yeah, but they know that if he dies, they can call up the bank, <laughs> get them to whip out the invisible ink kit, yeah, <laughs> develop the, the code, so and the code just says "fuck off." Yeah. <laughs> Die, you dogs! <laughs> yeah, if I'm dead, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, he fucking got us! Why did he make this invisible? <laughs> We're all slap in the face. A uh, uh. uh, part of the job of the six wheel truck. Was to carry the fuel of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> the fuel of the truck. <laughs> oh, no. Exactly. But no one knew what kind of fuel efficiency the truck had until it arrived in Alice Springs by train. So it was just on, on the back of the train. When I got there, they drove it around and realized it was a massive gas guzzler. So they had to hastily organize. They a... were doing burnouts, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> they had to hastily organize another vehicle to carry the fuel for the truck, which was carrying the fuel for the plane. Oh, my God. <laughs> and what's carrying the fuel for the smaller car at the back? Uh, just an, another small, a mini minor, <laughs> olive green mini minor. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> I got a bunch. So there was a uh, an Australian. Um, he's a, he was, might have been a co-host on the Australian version of that car show, Top Gear. Oh yeah. Uh, Warren should really have written his Buffett. name down. But anyway, he wrote a book about it, and a, a bunch of these quirky um, quirky facts about it. I got through him. Uh, he tells a bloody good story. This was via Jess, who suggested one of the suggested the topic, recommended his book, and uh, there's a few interviews with him online as well. They're worth uh, listening to, which I'll put into the show notes. Uh, as well as the truck problems, they also had a wireless radio for communication, which seemed like a great idea, but the technology wasn't totally pocket-sized back then. Oh. They needed about half the expedition team just to lift it, three, <laughs> three to four of them. Just to lift it? Just to lift it, yeah. So all day their job is to carry that. I think that. Well, it's on the truck, but if they want to use it. Oh, I was going to say. It's- <laughs> God, you can't put it on the truck. That's full of fuel for the plane. <laughs> I mean, don't be stupid, All right, Ken. we're going to need to get a motorbike <laughs> for the radio. Yeah. I was going to carry the fuel for the motorbike. All right. By this point, they all have a vehicle each. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to talk to each it's other. Like it's like a convoy. Ma- it's like Mad Max roaring across the desert. They've got so many trucks. Warren Brown is the name of that oh, author. That was close. If you were looking. What did you say? Buffett. Oh, Warren Buffett. Yeah, it's Warren Buffett. I'm pretty sure. Um, And then, because no one was particularly knew how to use a wireless yeah. radio. So Lasseter was in charge of operating 
the wireless. So did he tell everyone he could, even though I think he, could. yeah, he sort of blags it. Yeah, I can do that. Oh, yeah, wireless radio. Yeah, no, worries. no worries. Yeah, no, I invented the radio, so <laughs> yeah. I can do it. Uh, they got into the trip when they realised that he hadn't brought it. Brought one of the key parts of the radio that meant that you could use it to you could listen, but you couldn't. <laughs> You couldn't communicate back. You, you didn't get the mouthpiece. Oh, you didn't get that my God. Mouthpiece. That's pretty important when you're the ones out in the middle of nowhere. So you can hear people going, everything, we'll just assume everything's okay out there. Yeah. Hey, we haven't heard from you. You've probably gone great. Great. Right? All right. Let us know if you're not. But if, And if, you're good. Good night. If everything's good, say nothing. <laughs> yeah. Just double check and say nothing at all. Yeah. All right. All right. Nighty night. No news is great news. <laughs> um. When they were in Alice Springs, ready to set off, so they're they're all they're starting the ex- expedition from Alice Springs. For people who don't know Alice Springs, uh, it's a it's a it's a biggish town slash city in the Northern Territory, but it's very remote. Mm. It's right. It's like in the middle of Australia. Yeah, it's right towards the very heart. Yeah. Um, but apparently, back in these times, this is nearly a hundred years ago, it was. Describe uh, Warren. He described it as sort of like a real wild west town. People were carrying guns on their hips, wow. um, and it was a, like not a particularly well built up town or anything like that. And there was a place where people you still hear that about the Northern Territory. Territory sometimes people it's a place people go there when they're running from something. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was like that times a, a thousand back then. But they're, they're wandering around there, and Lasseter is pointing out local landmarks that he remembered from when he was there decades earlier. Um, is he pointing to like a, a pub that was like established like the year before? Yes. Established, yeah, I went there. Established 1919. He's like, yeah, remember that pub from a youth? That's exactly what he was doing. He <laughs> no. was pointing out things that weren't went around when he said he was there last. Pointing at a baby. He's like, remember yeah. that one? <laughs> 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 went to school with him. Yeah, well, yeah. Could Dude, see that, that changed a bit. Jim, good to see you looking good. <laughs> Sort of was just going around. He just sounds like he's a guy who maybe believes what he's saying, but he just sounds like he is very loose with the truth. Just make it so is he literally just pointing at things and going, "Remember that?" Oh, the old, yeah, the old uh, tree sapling. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Yeah, remember that when it was an even smaller sapling? <laughs> yeah. Remember that? It was just a seed when I was here last. Um, yeah, so that, they weren't there when he was there last, and people noticed. That and he, <laughs> so he he looked like he clearly didn't know what he was talking about. Yet for whatever reason, the expedition Marched went ahead. On. Yeah, um, you know, we're talking about uh, your mate Dave Errol Coot, the pilot. I love him. Apparently, he wasn't actually a qualified pilot. <laughs> Good. <laughs> he he had, was just confident. He'd flown before, and but he had some sort of lapsed. But he'd flown as a passenger. <laughs> yeah. We've all, yeah. I've yeah. flown. It's like saying we've flown. I've flown. He's, I've flown. I've flown to like heaps of countries. Yeah. He yeah. flew in the emergency thing. You know, he, he said he'd, he'd help in an emergency. Yeah, that's right. In an emergency, I'd throw the door out yeah. the plane. Exit row. Yeah, I've done, I've done the short course. Yeah, no worries. Read the pamphlet. I've nodded at the flight attendant. Yeah. Gone, yep, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. They Le- say, leg room. Go, yep. when was the last time you were in the exit row? And I go, a couple of months ago. And they go, are you willing and able to assist in an emergency? And I go, sure. But they always put me in the middle seat. Fuck, kill me, you know? Oh. So you're like you're yelling, kill me, <laughs> and you just said you'll help people. In yeah, I'll help others, yeah. but kill me. I'm going down with the plane, guys. <laughs> I'm a hero. I'd love to hear. Uh, obviously, there are lots of survival stories on planes. I'd love to hear about what people in the exit row actually did. 
Yeah. Did yeah. they help out or was it just like, sorry, everyone for themselves, yeah. kicking kids out the way to get down the slide? <laughs> or it's like people go, yes, my turn to serve. Yeah, like, or did people take it really seriously and possibly risk their lives, you know? I'd love to hear a story. I imagine, yeah, I imagine that this feels like something you've, you've made an oath. I imagine people would normally stick to it. It would be pretty full on to go, fuck it. Yeah, but obviously that situation is yeah. pretty full on. Yeah, I don't, think you, I don't think you'd know how you'd react until you're in that situation and then you might surprise yourself. That's your reaction to them? Are you willing and able? I don't know how I'd react. Yeah, look, I'm going to say yes, but I don't know for sure. And I just want to say, because a lot of people listen to podcasts while flying, flying is uh, one of the safest ways to oh, travel. Yeah, good call. Sorry, but uh, you're fine. Anyway, uh, so Coot uh, took off in the Golden Quest and immediately stacked it. <laughs> what do you mean stacked a plane? Crashed it real bad. Oh, my God. He was very badly injured. Oh, not co- in, like first flight. Yeah, apparently. Coot. Coot. Oh, <clears throat> my favorite guy. Yeah. I read different things. Maybe they lost the plane, but I also read somewhere that uh, a replacement uh, named Golden Quest 2 was found. No, don't. Don't, don't let it. him go again. And do not name the plane after the one that just crashed on its first flight. He, the Titanic 2. Every, I think everyone survived. Everyone was fine, but it was, yeah. But he was badly injured. He, he stacked it, Do you reckon yeah. he's, does he continue on? I don't think so. Oh, I think he goes back to, yeah, I think he's, he goes back to town and. I believe. I might be wrong. It's, it feels like such a big story. It's kind of got an iconic name, but there aren't many super in-depth sources that were easily found online. Um, but there, it looks like there's heaps of books, lots of there's movies and documentaries, mm. there's songs, but just not a lot of not like most reports I do. There's a wealth of of info online, but yeah, for this one, it was it was scrapping together from a handful of. God, isn't that just. 
On July 21st, 1930, also read on July 30th, so even even the day they left is different. Somewhere in that week. Yeah, but also maybe they left at different times. Maybe the plane left at a different time right, from the truck or something. Right, right, right. I think the idea was, you know, the plane would be able to sight stuff from above and they'd be able to communicate between the two and help each other, but that sort of fell apart when the plane <laughs> fell apart. And when they didn't have the right uh, radio equipment. <laughs> oh, dear. So they, they head off from Alice Springs. Uh, heading west for a place called El Bilba or El Billa. The big six-wheel truck made it less than a couple of hundred metres before it got badly bogged. So still within sight of the town. Oh, so people are still clapping as they leave. Apparently, well, apparently the Alice Springs. Apparently, the people of Alice Springs weren't even that excited about it. They're like, people come here looking for gold all the time. No oh, one ever right. finds it. People always hit trouble. It's good just another. Luck. Yeah, basically, good on you guys. Uh, that truck is so big and stupid, it's not going to work. <laughs> and they're watching it, not even get out of sight before it, <laughs> it gets bogged. Lasseter is leaning out the window, being like, "Yeah, eat our <laughs> dust. This time will be different. You'll regret the day you didn't join my ex." Hang on, sorry. What's happened here? Put in, put in drive. Oh, it is. Oh, oh, no. oh, no. oh no. Oh no. Reverse. Oh, you can't. Oh, oh no. Hey, you got four-wheel drive mode. Yeah, can you guys? The guys that are just told to go fuck themselves. Can you get <laughs> out and a push? <laughs> so they they're watching as they take quite a while to dig it out and keep going. They do, and also, they... I mean, you know, the truck is essential because it has the fuel for the plane that may <laughs> no longer exist. <laughs> <laughs> And the radio that doesn't really work. <laughs> no, oh there's the backup car that fuels the big truck. Oh god! Oh no! <laughs> so obviously, already there. I think, especially Blakely's going. The camels was the idea. We should be on. We should be doing it the way that people have done it. There's a guy worked. who rents out camels, just <laughs> watching all this happen, and he's like. Changing the sign. I'm <laughs> putting up his prices. <laughs> Adding zeros. <laughs> He's like, oh, here we go, boys. Um, Lasser has been described at different times of the trip as peculiar, uncooperative, suspicious, and sulky. Oh, I love sulky as an adjective. It's a real great mix. Oh, he's so sulky. He's so peculiar and sulky. Oh. Dreamboat. <laughs> Mm. Uh, what was the other one? Suspicious. Suspicious and uncooperative. Oh, my God. My dream man. <laughs> Where, Is he single? I'm We've heading out. Where are you going? Oh, I love oh, that. I don't care. Yeah, go out. I don't I don't even care anyway because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. I'm not helping you open that door. Okay, bye, honey. <laughs> oh, God, the dream. One day I'll be so lucky. Uh, not long into the journey, the leader, Blakely, and uh, also most of the team found Lasseter to be much less familiar with the outback than he initially let on. What's that? That's a, that's a tree. <laughs> ah, cool. <laughs> I knew Red. that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I've seen it before. Uh, to, the, to others in the expedition, it seemed like any of his purported knowledge could have been found in a book. Um, basically, he seemed like a guy who had no first-hand experience of the area at he all. He had read a book. Yeah, apparently a big reader. Something that Matt is not prepared to do, apparently. <laughs> uh, he would tell the others that he recognised trees that weren't old enough to have been there. He doesn't know what a tree is. He's pointing at like a small bush. Warren Brown used the example. He's like, yeah, I, I slept in a hammock between these two trees here. And they're like, they could not have been here 30 years ago. Oh. And he's like, no, no, no. Sulking now. <laughs> I guess that's when he was sulking. 
when people called him on his bullshit. Yeah, it sounds like he's just kind of making stuff up as it was going along. Oh, we go, yeah, this way, I guess now. Oh, dear. Um, But what's his plan? If if the gold doesn't exist and he's not insane and (laughs) believes it does exist, what is he hoping will happen? That they might accidentally find something in him and be like, there it is, that's it. Uh, yeah, it's hard. How do you back out of this? You, you get halfway there, and then you got to come all the way back. It's yeah. Well, your guess is as good as mine, Dave. According to the New South Wales State Library, again, his descriptions of the reef were vague at best, and he seemed to possess almost no navigational abilities. <laughs> do you think he just wanted friends? It does feel a bit like that. A bit lonely. <sighs> just start a club or something. Don't you don't have to take people out into the middle of the desert. That's murdery. Just like, just like. Join a cricket team, you know? Right. That's a good way to make friends if you're a weirdo. But, I mean, if... (laughs) Cricketers are all weirdos. They're so weird. It doesn't really make (laughs) sense, though, that it was because he was lonely because on the trip he kept mainly to himself. He kept him separate from the group, including sleeping away from the others, and he was often found singing his Mormon hymns and writing in his journal. Dear Um, Diary... (laughs) Happy birthday to you. <laughs> oh, that was up the bombers. <laughs> Happy birthday. I can't do it. Uh, that classic Mormon birthday hymn. See the bomb. Happy birthday high up. <laughs> uh, all of this led to growing worries in the group that they're on a wild goose chase and it sounds like Lassiter did little to reassure them. It also sounds like Blakely potentially even thought even kind of knew this from the start but there was some pressure on him to potentially at least have a crack first and and make sure that it's bullshit rather than quitting at the start when he's like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and then he'd leave himself open to lasted on i would have taken you to it but you called it off not me Right. So he sort of he was like if he went back then he might have been in trouble for bailing even though he was like, this guy sounds like he does not know what he's talking yeah. about at all. Uh, one day, this is a weird sort of thing that happened. One day uh, when they were camped out, a line of camels came through uh, being led by a German man as well as a couple of indigenous men. And uh, the German uh, was named Paul Johns. right? And he, he was keen to get join up with the group, him and his camels. Uh, he was a bushman and a dingo trapper as well as uh, he was at a, from a German missionary not too far away. Oh, okay. Right, but someone who actually knows how to live on the land. He yeah. sounds like a good resource. Yeah, I reckon I'd team up with this guy. Yeah. But he's also, it sounds like he's also a bit of a loose unit, but he also, he's sort of like a, he knows what he's doing on the land sort of anyway. Living what? and working <laughs> on the land. Is that? Is that? La, 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 la. And also... Um, <laughs> oh, another thing Warren Brown said was that one thing that everyone knew how to do, if you lived on the land back then especially. Uh, sorry, if you lived and worked on the land? If you were living no, and no working, working on, on the, the land. land. What did you do back then? Everyone would know how to make damper. It was like one of the most basic skills. Flour and water, cook it. It's sort of like a, a bush bread. My mum, like a scone almost. My mum knows how to make damper. And yeah. she... Sure, was a country kid, but like an hour out of the city, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he should know if you if you've lived on the land, you should so, know how to make damper. And if if you've walked from uh, Queensland to yeah, Western Australia, you'd probably know how to make damper. Basically, walking from Queensland to Western Australia is like walking from California to New York. 
It's so far. It'd be something like that, right, Dave? Yeah, I mean, yeah. for a, for a reference, yeah. yeah. Australia's very big. It's a similar width to the US, I think. Yeah, if you went, I don't know if he, he's gone coast to coast, but yeah, it's so. I think that basically the idea is almost far coast out. to coast. Or it's the plan was, yeah. So far. Or his story was that he went Yes. Coast. Right. So anyway, they're but saying damper. you should be able to, yeah, there's a butt coming. And then, yeah, he he had no idea how to make it. So people were like, what did you like, eat? What is, this is an, just another thing. And I must have been like, I mean, I'm not even surprised anymore. No. But imagine if that is a big red flag. <laughs> yeah. You can't make damper. Oh, and then no. they just oh, no. they, they all, all break drops. down. <laughs> they all start crying. The penny drops. All right, fine. I've mm. I've never seen that tree before. <laughs> I'm a fraud. I don't even know what gold is. I tried to sell a red rock as a ruby. I'm a fuckwit. So, <laughs> 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 oh. uh, like most of the story, it seems every every version of reads a little bit different um, because also you know the the version of the story from different sources. Immediately, different people in the group, a few of them wrote their versions of the story and then other people have tried to piece together from that. Um, so there's all these different kind of versions. One of the things that I read happened next um, was that they reached Mount Marjorie and when they got there, Lasseter all of a sudden was like, actually, you guys, were 150 miles too far north of where we should be. Apparently, that was the last straw. Blakely's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Stop fucking with us. That's it. Another version of it, this is what Warren Brown said. He said that they reached this great big natural landmark. It's, this, it's, it's a huge sort of basin, kind of almost like a mini Grand Canyon. Right. It's like anyone would know it. If, if you'd been anywhere around here, you'd know this spot. And he clearly had never seen it before. And apparently, everyone's going, oh, wow. And he's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yawn. <laughs> oh. Be, been here, done that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this whole thing? Huh? You guys are cute. <laughs> anyway, whatever. I'm cool. <laughs> and maybe he was even saying, let's go down into that. And they're like, if we take our, our trucks and stuff down there, we die. It just <laughs> won't happen. So apparently, that, so something like that, some big event happened that was the last straw and for whatever reason. And they go, mate, you are full of shit. They finally sort of called him out on it um, and said, "We, you can just go. We'll leave you. We won't, we won't take you back and 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 um, tell the cops and everything that you've wasted all this money. You can just go find your gold, whatever. We're going back to Alice Springs. So they all left apart from Lassiter and the German. Oh, so the German has joined them and he's stuck with stuck The with German John. Well, the good thing, well, the, I guess the German's kind of like, well, I know how to survive out here anyway, right? So yeah. I'll be fine even if this idiot doesn't yeah, know yeah. what he's doing. And it also sounds like through all of it, everyone basically thinks it's bullshit, but there's always part of everyone who's like, maybe. Yeah, you don't want to be the one who calls bullshit <laughs> and then it pays off and everybody's Mega rich. Everyone's like, wearing diamond rings. Mega, mega, mega rich. And you're like, ah, fuck. Stuck in the Great Depression. I think that's how people get caught in like yeah. playing the lottery every week. I've got to play the same numbers every week. I can't bail this week. This week will be the week I get my numbers. Exactly. I'm going to pay another 15 bucks to pay I tell you, every I have, week. 15 bucks. I'm part of a syndicate at work and I have that exact mindset. Yeah. It's hard. It's a trap. This is a trap it's now. A $5 trap. every week. And you've been nearly two years now. You imagine it's, it's never going to be the same, but you put that five. Bucks in a some sort of investment or a 
mm. a term mm. deposit or something. Or like buy myself a pie or something really nice. Yeah, just just <laughs> enjoy it at the time. That's trying to get at the fact that like, if you just put $5 <laughs> aside and left it there, you'd have some money and you're like, or I could get a pie. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd probably be a happier guy. <laughs> but you go... <laughs> By now, I would have had over a hundred extra pies in my lifetime. You like Homer when he when he had shares uh, in the power plant? Well, everyone had shares, and he he got a call from his stockbroker, and he's like, fifteen dollars. He's like, ooh, and he pictures he could buy a nice hammer. <laughs> so he cashes out, and everyone else doesn't till like soon after, and they're all millionaires. Lenny gets gold teeth, I think. Um- <laughs> So isn't that something like that? He get, no, he gets his face permanently put into a smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, Dave, that was the cutest thing ever. <laughs> or I could get a pie. It's like, yeah, that's uh, also what Matt was getting at. Yeah, invest. Yeah, invest in invest a pie. Invest in pies. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's something, you know, that'll always appreciate in value. Yeah, exactly. The in your tum. <laughs> it always goes up, not down. <laughs> My weight, though. <laughs> So this is this is I think around or a bit less than two months uh, since they set off. Uh, he was left with just the German Paul Johns. Are the Indigenous fellows still with them? I not sure. I don't think so. I think it's just the. Two. I'm pretty sure it's just. <laughs> do the they two have a couple of camels at least? Yeah, they do have the camels still. Um, so they're they're in some decent shape, assuming that there is this gold thing that they're looking for. Um. This is from the New South State Library page again about Johns and Lassiter, though. Their relationship quickly grew turbulent. Lassiter was determined to push on at all costs and having overtired their camels, decided to leave them with Johns for a few days while he continued his search. He went off alone on foot again. Oh, <sighs> left behind the desert expert. The desert expert oh, and the, the camels, which they'd tired out. They tired out. Camels. camels. I mean, how aren't you tired? Yeah, if the, if the camels are knackered, then. You need to rest yeah, too. it's time for everyone to rest. Have a snooze. Um, that is. Have yeah. a little snooze. Imagine they don't tire that easily in the desert being their home. Who knows? And they're known to not tire. Right, yeah. They're like the energizer of camels. And they got <laughs> humps on them. Yeah. And they sing that song, my hump, my hump, my hump. I've got a hump on my back. <laughs> Check it out, my hump. I'm a camel. <laughs> that was a big hit. Love that song. Uh, Lasseter returned a couple of days later. Uh, with him, he had a bag of samples. He said, yes, I found the fable. Nah. Group. Okay. If he's got go- well, all right. If you can show a goal that you didn't have before, I would be. But how do we know him. he didn't have it before? <laughs> yeah, he's just been carrying a bag of gold. He sounds like a fucking. <laughs> it sounds like something he would do. If I know Lasseter, and I think I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know his type. I know his type. <laughs> so he so he's got this bag of gold, right? And John's like, "Awesome, let me check it out." And Lasseter said, "No way." What? He's like, I don't, I don't want you to see it. I don't That's trust you. That's the whole point. What's the point of the bag of samples? Oh. I don't understand. It's like he never thinks anything through. He's like, oh, I'll prove to him. I'll just show him this bag. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, I assume that's full of gold. No more questions. Let's keep on with the search. Anyway, uh, that led to a fist fight yep. between the men. John pulled a gun. Okay. They continue to wrestle. Somehow Lassiter took control of the gun, pointed it at John's, and he's like, stand down. 
Holy shit. Uh, Then they took a breath, calmed down, and went, all right, fine. Let's go our separate ways. Johns goes, I'm out of here. I'm heading back to Alice Springs. Um, Apparently then Lassiter wrote uh, a letter to the cops, and and he gave it to Johns and said, deliver this to the cops, please. And... And then, and then they they parted ways. Um, and there was another letter saying, "Send help. This is where he is. Uh, send supplies uh, for Lassiter." John's uh, headed off. He opened the letter, read it, and the letter said, uh, "Arrest this man. He pulled a gun on me." <laughs> <laughs> like he wasn't going to read it. Um, <laughs> and um, he's he's basically saying, "Take yourself off to the police, mate." <laughs> Imagine if he's like, here's a letter. Anyway, see you later. Toodaloo. Hang on a second. So John's read it and he's like, all right, well, I'm not going to be going to the cops. And he took a took a big detour. He went back past his mission. So he's also the meaning that the letter saying, hey, send supplies back out. That's also not going out. Oh. <laughs> but on the way was Lasseter like, thanks so much, mate. Yeah. Just hand this into the cops. Anyway, agree to disagree. <laughs> Appreciate uh, everything you've done. Don't read the letter. Um, see you later. <laughs> Hey, I know we've had our ups and downs, but I'll always treasure you. And if you're ever in town, hit me up. Yeah. yeah. Don't read the letter. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> and always remember what I say. Don't read that letter. All right. <laughs> but hand it over to the police officer and then stick around for a bit. Yeah, just see what happens. Oh, it- they might have questions for you. <laughs> that, uh, that is a... They, they might have trouble reading my handwriting or yeah. something. That is such a bold move. What? Dickhead. The person who's going to save you, you also set him up, hoping they won't discover it. Arrest this man. <laughs> you little dibber dobber. Real fun. <laughs> yeah, as well, it's just like how much you've gone through all this weird stuff. Just let it go. You're going your separate ways. You what? also pointed a gun at him. Yeah, it's all a bit I weird. I mean, like, you're not there to testify against him. He's yeah. not going to go to jail. No. Um. Oh. So now he's all alone. He, I mean, according to him, he's got a lot of experience out there. What seemingly though he doesn't, and it's probably yeah. bad news that he's stuck out there by himself. Uh, he wasn't heard from for quite a while, or at all. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> or ever again? Or ever again? Oh, okay, understood. Um, Not that surprised, to be honest. There was no huge rush apparently to go uh, search. <laughs> they were like, eh. You're gonna wait, but then, a, but a local man a few months later, um, named Bob Buck. Yes, Bobby Buck. He he took out a search party, um, to find him. Uh, and in March of 1931, the following year, they found his body and his journal. In it, Lassiter made multiple final entries. <laughs> like this is my last entry. All right, oh all right. My God. I know I said that was the last one. <laughs> But it, this is the last one. It reminds me of who was the guy that uh, died out in the wilderness? Carl McCann. Yeah, and it was like, today was a really bad day, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I get, you sort of assume that. And, I mean, this is this is we should be able to track down this journal, but I assume it's something like, I can't go on. Yeah. You won't be hearing from me again. <laughs> Farewell, cruel world. And then the next page, hey, I know I said um, yeah. <laughs> this is a bit embarrassing. Anyway, I'm still kicking. Turns out I'm still alive. Um, yeah. But this time I've got to say I can't go on. <laughs> and I mean it this time. Honestly, I think today's the last day. Yeah. And I don't want you to think I died yesterday if I die today. Yeah. So today 
death okay. day. All right. Okay. Anyway. Time of death now. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. All right. <laughs> bye, bye. All right. Yep. yep. Oh, okay. okay. Love you, mate. Bye. Bye, bye. Next page. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, no, you would page. not read about it. Um, the next page is PPPPPPPS. Um, still alive. This is getting ridiculous. I admit it. <laughs> really? I but thought. But I just will not die. <laughs> the... Yeah, I got a real kick of energy, you know. I've yeah, been running laps. <laughs> the end. Or so I thought. <laughs> Postscript. Uh, his last diary entries also what, suggest. His last, last. He's very final. <laughs> well, Ed, so, well, they're in the group of his yeah. last. He suggests that local Aboriginal communities helped him find water and shelter, which helped him, um, I'm guessing, prolong his life a little bit. He also uh, made an entry claiming that he was able to at last refine the reef, which I don't know if that's separate from the one that he told Johns that he found. Right. Anyway, so he's refound the reef and then died not on the reef? Yeah. So when they found him, he's not on the reef anymore. No, yeah, he's gone. then he's gone back to his right. uh, where he's... And I wondered for... 36 hours in an unknown direction, so don't even try. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> don't even try to look wouldn't, for it. Wouldn't, if you were dying and you found the reef, I feel like you'd just go, all right, my bones will be here at least. Yeah. But I guess if he did find it, he still was like, I'll go back because that's where my supplies are going to be coming to. That would be maybe the logic of it. Right. But, and I definitely know how to get back there now. <laughs> okay. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> Um, he also, um, uh, so it was estimated that he lasted about 16 weeks after John's left. Whoa. Before dying of starvation at Shaw's Creek in the Peterman Ranges. It's a pretty good effort. Yeah, I'm surprised he lasted that long. And that, and that basically brings us to the end of the report, but there's this quite an interesting sort of, um, what do you call the end bit, like an addendum? Yeah, sure. Footnote. And that is... I mean, this could be a whole other thing, but there are theories around this diary that it may have been a fake. What? The diary that was found with all these entries in it, right? Um, apparently, Blakely saw the diary when it was brought back to town. He's like, I've never seen that book before. He was writing in a journal a lot, but it wasn't that. It was a totally different, this beautifully bound book. It had looked nothing like this little red book that you've brought back. He's like, yeah, I, I don't think that's his diary. Okay. Um, one theory is, and this sounds like a relatively strong one, is that Bob Buck faked the diary so that he could prove that Lassiter died so that he could access the paper with the gold's coordinates in invisible ink. The oh. only way you could get that was to prove that he was dead. So he goes, here's his diary. Here's him saying, I've di- I'm dying. But did he also have bones? They also found a body, but it was so badly decomposed. Could have been anyone. It could have been anyone, but the the oh. the diary on the on near the bones. The diary proved it said supposedly. Um, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So, so did they access there was the a big, code? There was a big fight initially. The bank saying, "No, nah, that's not enough evidence. We need death certificate. We need real proof." Uh, eventually, the document with the invisible ink was taken out, looked at. And it turns out that Lasser had just written a bunch of gibberish numbers. Didn't mean anything on it. Oh, my God. So there weren't any actual coordinates to follow. No. Which you could argue he why he was just bluffing because he didn't want to give it away. No, or I think he's, he's just, just an idiot. <laughs> wow. 
But this also leads to the uh, the the fake diary also leads to the possibility that Lassiter didn't actually die then at all. He's still alive now. <gasps> oh my goodness! There Living are, on gold. There are many theories that he he left and went back to America, and the Mormon Church um, hid him from. Why from would Scrutiny Why were they hiding? I don't know. Um, uh, others say nobody that, really looked for him. Yeah, no one. It was. People so do. you wouldn't have to. He, yeah. like, he spends his whole life in America hiding. He's in a like, bunker, in a tiny bunker. No yeah. one's looking for you. <laughs> no one cares, mate. No, we're glad you're gone. <laughs> so he's. Um, other people like uh, had. There were people cited him in other places as well. So there's thoughts that he, he, you know, went back to Sydney and Canberra, and you know he's sort of spotted all over the place. And then apparently, um, apparently one day. Uh, this is according to Warren Brown. Um, Bob Buck, uh, this swashbuckling mm. character, bumped into Blakely at a pub, and Blakely's like, "It's not. It wasn't him, was it? You. That's not his real diary, is it?" And apparently, so the story goes, Bob Buck was like, "Come on, man, don't don't fuck this up for me." Apparently, and then he said it in way more poetic language than that. Nah, it's probably similar. And then, um, uh. And then apparently Bob Buck said to him, he goes, was it his, uh, Bob Buck was asked, was that his body? Did yeah. And, and Bob Buck's like, to be honest, I couldn't even be sure if it was a black man or a white man. Whoa. So it's just bones by that point, basically. So, okay, so if he's gone out with this fake diary, do you reckon he, do, is he just looking for anybody? <laughs> he's just hoping to find a body and then he'll be like, whoa, that's him. Got him. But, like, what are the chances? Yeah. I mean, it all sounds weird to me. Yeah. And it's like how much of it all feels like it's, it's like levels of fiction on top of whatever actually happened. Like, the, it's hard to grip onto anything. It all feels like shifting sand in your hands. It all feels very false, yeah. right? Yeah. That is insane. But it's, a, it's just a, all of it is so weird. And it, it's funny, like you said, Dave, I'd, I'd heard the term Lassiter's Reef. I assumed it was a surf break somewhere. Yeah. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, like Point Cook, Lasseter's Reef. Point Cook. <laughs> yeah. An inland known, suburb. A known surf point. Oh, no, that is, no you're right. Yeah, no, like that a is a, there's a beach. Yeah. There. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> you know, just like a. Like a, a yeah. Like just the name of a local place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Last, yeah I just so always assumed. No gold was ever found. Still to this day, but. That's <laughs> wild! So is Lassiter's Reef then, is it like uh, a, the term is used for like a wild goose chase kind of thing? Or? Well, people, there are still people today who believe it's real. And there are docu- a documentary was made like five years ago searching for it. And and did they find it? It's No, it's never been found. Um, but it's still, it's still something that people today believe is out there. He also had a, a son. He left his son, Lassiter, for this expedition when his son was five and his son um, grew up believing his dad. He believes the diary is real. There was an interview with him with ABC about five years ago talking about... He's alive now. Well, he was alive five years ago. Jeez, must 80, be pretty 85. old. Okay, right. Yeah, right. So he could still be around, but he um, he was like, he blamed Blakely and he reckoned Blakely made up a lot of bullshit around it. So he, he thinks... What what Lassiter said was true. He believes his dad, but I guess you would that there was a gold reef out there. Yeah, he that be- people are still haven't found. He still believed there was part of the diary that said that he because he refound it. He put down the coordinates. He said, "I'm burying it on a piece of paper 
in this certain spot. Supposedly that piece of paper was dug up, but it was it was just fallen to pieces by that by the time it was found. So it's it feels like everyone's a little bit full of shit in this story, doesn't it? it? Especially me. <laughs> <laughs> I made this up. <laughs> That's in that. It's a wild tale. That is so great. It's a wild tale. I'd love to see it um, turned into a, yeah. a big movie. It really builds. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's like why didn't what was that? What's that dude's name who made the Australia Australia movie? Baz Luhrmann. It was about <laughs> some people on a farm. Surely this is a movie that's called Australia. Well, yeah, well he's famous for making quality films. Mm. Nah. <laughs> oh, hang on. Whoa, shots fired. <laughs> Cup it, Baz. Yeah, take that, Baz. <laughs> Baz, I do enjoy Strictly Ballroom, but the others, no thank you. Even Romeo and Juliet? No thank you. But uh, but I thought I thought that was well regarded, but not really. What about Moulin Rouge? Is not that reg- him? Well, yeah, I'm just not really a big fan myself. And thank you. <laughs> Uh, so that that is the end of the report. Thanks so much for Maddie. listening to it. No, thank you. That was a classic tale. Thanks so much to Jess and uh, my cousin Vinny for suggesting it. <laughs> Sorry, You're Jess's cousin Vinny. Yeah. You're welcome on behalf of both myself, Jess from Melbourne, and my cousin Vinny <laughs> from New Jersey. New Jersey. Love you, cuz. That was a great report, Matthew. Thank you so much. Yeah, I found it. I found it very fascinating, but also. Yeah, just it was one of, I mean, I was a classic me writing it right up to when we started <laughs> recording, but I could have, it's the kind of one I kept finding great facts as we went along. Yeah. And I did spend the last few days on it. It's funny when you go deep into that. Mm. I'll be dreaming about it tonight for sure. Me too. You know, when you go out, you get right into something like that and it's just like you, you start thinking like it. Yeah. That was that was so interesting. And can I say something that's not interesting at all, oh, but great. a little fact check here. The... Possum, I referred to, was actually uh, the politician's name is Patrick Gorman, not Fraser, Fraser Gorman, a. which Gorman, is Fraser A. Gorman, yeah. the singer-songwriter. I thought that was a weird coincidence. Yeah, whose music I do enjoy, but Patrick Possum Gorman, that is a real story, a politician from Perth. I probably said that late as well, so I got half the facts right, as often is the way with memory. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, just in case, I don't think that there's big any uh, big Perth political buffs out there, but if you have tweeted, delete it. And huh? apologise. embarrassing for all of us. If delete it and apologise. Tweet it, delete it. That sounds fun. <laughs> tweet it and wrong. delete it. Tweet and delete. Uh, that brings us to uh, the fantastic segment of the show, mm. uh, the Patreon-sponsored fact, quote, or question. It is fantastic. Dave, do you, do you have a quick um, description of how this works? Well, basically, we have a Patreon, which we started a couple of years ago now, for people that listen to the show every week that want to keep it rolling with a little bit of a donation every single month. And in exchange for that, you get bonus stuff every single month, including two bonus episodes that no one else hears and uh, other stuff like pre-sales to shows that we're doing that before anyone else hears about it, shout-outs on an episode. And also, at a certain level, you get to suggest a fact, a quote, or a question for Matt to read out. That's right. And you also get to give yourself a title. Mm. This week's fact, quote, or question, funnily enough, is from another Vinny, Vincenzo Giovanni Bonadonna. Oh, beautiful. Wow. I've got neighbours that I met at Christmas time, and they have the tiny little Italian greyhound. They're like the tiniest little dogs ever. And uh, and they said he's. they named him Vincenzo because he's an Italian greyhound. And I said, oh, do you call him Vinny? And they said, nah. Chenzo. Oh. Chenzo. How cute is that? I like Chenzo. Chenzo. Uh, he's given himself the title. I mean, 
he's opted not to go with Chenzo. He's gone with uh, that guy. And <laughs> if if already taken, then I'll be that other guy. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, well, it him. Is, that it guy was not. Are you sure? I thought it was taken. Oh, that guy's taken. Sorry. That other guy. I've just checked. Vincenzo. Uh, fantastic title. <laughs> and he's given us a quote. Oh, I love a quote. And this is it. And uh, as I, I normally uh, warn everyone, this is the first time I'm reading <laughs> these things. Well, here we go. You could just read them ahead of time. I think there's some there's some sort of fun. There's a bit of yeah. charm in, in it's us. All just, well, I want to discover it with everyone else. That's beautiful. Please. Uh, here we go. If it is in your power to do something good, then do it. That's the quote. That's a great quote. That's a nice. I like attributed that. to anyone or yeah, possibly. Yes, there's a little paragraph here uh, explaining it. The reason I chose this quote, which is a personal. Uh, oh, <laughs> I thought I was going to say personal favorite, but he said, which is a personal quote of mine. It's quoted himself, <laughs> wow. which I love. Uh, is because when I first joined the Patreon, I was going to suggest Bill Finger as a topic, but I was too late because a day later, I noticed Batman was the topic for the week. If Bob Kane had done the right thing, then who knows what different things could have happened for Bill Finger and his family. Mm. And it shouldn't have taken so long for him to get his recognition. Vincenzo. And then that inspired a beautiful quote. That is, that's so good. I reckon that's our most, in, well, one, uh, we've had a wedding proposal. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that may be even more sincere than that. That was lovely. That's so nice. Thanks, if, Vincenzo. If it is in your power to do something good, then do it. I would have added dickhead, but <laughs> that's this is not my place. And it probably doesn't feel quite on brand. No, that's not on brand. <laughs> Certainly not for Vincenzo. No. If it is in your power to do something good, then do it. Thank you so much, Vincenzo. Uh, and that, uh, to the level that Dave was talking about there, is the Sydney Scheinberg. The deluxe package on Patreon. That's right. Uh, so thank you so much for that, Vincenzo. Did the Shinies vote on this topic as well? Yes, that's right. So it's an exclusive hat that uh, only people in that tier get to vote for one of the three of our topics. And it's it is there's not heaps of people in there, so the the votes are always close. Every vote definitely counts in you, this. You can actually sway it with your vote. I'm so pretty don't waste sure them. this this one seven six or six five. It was very close. Very close. Whoa. I put up six topics, and I think there were at one point they were level, and I think it ended up being like seven to six. To six to five with the top four topics. Very, very And then close. Dodd Bradman on zero. <laughs> Dodd Bradman maybe on one. Uh, I'll get I'll get Don up eventually. <laughs> get him up. <laughs> the Babe Ruth of Australian cricket. Come on. <laughs> if you don't find the history of Babe Ruth boring, then what about a more obscure guy that you don't know of? I'm talking Babe to Ruth Americans exclusively. Was left-handed. Is that true? Well, Don Bradman yes. uh, taught himself... Uh, cricket in the backyard, hitting a golf ball with a stick. A stump. Damn it. That's why I got to do a report. Why do you know that? You don't know anything about sport. That's how, we got his, that's how we, that's just one of those fable things how we got his good eye. We he used look- to just hit a tiny ball with a, a skinny stick so against the wall. So then it was a bit easier to hit a big ball with a, a yeah, wide basi- basically. stick. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean... I imagine generations since have tried it and not been yeah, the greatest right. player, bat, batsman of the century. Similar, so. There's also the, I think it was maybe the first Melbourne Cup winner, I think it was Archer, and the the story goes that they walked it down from Queensland or something <laughs> <laughs> for the race. They don't want so the by race. that time, he was like 3,000 metres, <laughs> piece got, of piss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another of my relatives rode in the Melbourne Cup. Like really? one of One of the really early ones. 
John Nicholas Perkins or something. No and kidding. The horse is called Flatcatcher. 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 What is that mean? There's a big portrait of it in my parents' catching house. Catching flat. Yeah, catching flat. I don't Why is that, that? Like, how is that difficult to understand? Well, catch a flat. Catch a flat. Oh, now that you've said it again, that was that <laughs> third time that it sunk in. Another thing that we do as well uh, at the end of every episode is we thank some of our patrons as well. So I reckon it's about that time now. It is definitely is, and we normally do a bit of a game. Bopper, what's the what are what are we doing for these people's names? So Lasseter's Reef. Yeah. Let's give them a surname something. A surname something and it's some sort of riches, hidden riches or hidden something. It could be anything, but it's riches. (laughs) It's a hidden riches somewhere. All right, great. Because knowledge is the ultimate power. Uh, Fight me on it, Dave. I can't. Correct. Dave, do you want to kick us off? Yes, I would like to thank a long-term supporter and interactor of the show, first of all, from East Sussex in... Great Britain. I would like to thank James Roy the Third. Oh, James, James Roy. Roy, the Roy boy. Just, Roy boy. <laughs> actually, I think it might just be James Roy, but then <laughs> when Patreon spat it out, uh, his address, which I can reveal starts with the number three, is now just attached to E on his surname, so it looks like James Roy the Third. It's just James Roy. I think it's just James Roy, Roy boy. Thank you so much for your support over the years. The Roy Roy's, boys. Roy's riches. Oh, Roy's Riches. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And where are they hidden? In the Australian Outback. Yeah. yeah. We're going to discover they're all in the Australian Outback. <laughs> and also I was, because James Roy is such a great guy, I'm predicting that he will have a son who will have a son and they'll all be James right. Roy. So okay, there will be great. three James Roys if there's not already James. And thank you. I hope you spend those riches wisely. Yeah. Riches. Did you want to have a go? No, no. I'm just noticing a common trend of me putting myself out there, being vulnerable, having wasn't, a go, having a bit of fun, and you just shitting all over it. I just, wasn't the topic, the broad umbrella topic was riches. Yeah, but I like alliteration. <laughs> You've narrowed- all right, Roy's Rubies. You happy? No. I'm oh, sorry. shit. <laughs> Roy's, Roy's Riches of Rubies. That's so good. Sorry, Bob. Roy's, Roy's Ru- Riches is great. I think it should be Roy's Ruby Riches. Oh, right. That sounds hot. Sounds hot. Mm. Am I saying that right? <laughs> I'm not sure if you are. Depends on how you mean it. But, yes, thank you, James Roy. Thank, thank you, you, the Roy boy. <laughs> uh, I would like to thank also from uh, New South Wales, from Q. We've got a Q in Victoria. Lovely this one in New South Wales as well. We've got uh, Michael Kendon. Kendon. Sounds like Kendall. That's what uh, I thought. Yeah, so maybe pristine Barbies. Oh, yes, because they'd, be, the they'd be worth really a lot of money, but you would not want to bury them in the desert. Original series. Oh. Like I said, they're not in the desert. They're in a uh, storage facility. Yeah. Hidden, Hidden. in the desert. Hidden. Below Hidden. ground at Cooper PD. Temperature controlled. Yes. <laughs> Temperature controlled. <laughs> <laughs> Kendon's Ken dolls, Ken and Barbie dolls. Oh, yeah, you're going to be rich. That sounds good. They're making a movie about Barbie. Margot Robbie's going to play Barbie. Yeah, so that, that's an international thing. Barbies. Barbies. Yep. They're not Australian. I look, I don't understand. Uh, maybe. I don't fucking know. Okay. They are not Australian. They're not Australian. Because I know in America they have Lisa and the Lionheart yes. and Malibu Stacey. Yeah, that's true. They do have that in America. Yeah. That's right, which is, of course, a parody of Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Can I thank some people yes, too? Yes, please. I would like to thank from Hammondville. Ooh. 
In New South Wales also. I mean, speaking of riches, am I right? Yeah. Sounds like a gated community. Yeah, it's a community named after Richard Hammond. Oh, speaking of Top Gear. Yeah. I'd like to thank Will Thurston. Another another great long-term supporter, as all of these people are. True. Uh, I... When I hear Hammond, I think organs. Oh, okay. Does that help you, Dave? Like all? body organs, human organs. Yeah, I think. Ha- is he is he trafficking organs? <laughs> oh, Will Thurston's Hammond. There is a lot human of, organs. There is human a lot organs. of money in that. Yeah, a lot of money I in think. organs. Yeah, not all that right. I know. I've, I've looked into it. <laughs> what? Well, so maybe it's it's Will's organ warehouse. Oh, come, come on, on down. <laughs> I've got livers. Kidneys, hearts. <laughs> I just don't know where I've left my storage facility. <laughs> so come on the search with me and get a new laugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's temperature controlled. <laughs> <laughs> temper control. Uh, temper control. I just yelled. I don't have that. Will Thurston, thank Will, you. Will, thank you for your service to the healthcare system. Potentially, you know, if we find. If we ever find. Yeah, if we ever find those organs. Yeah, we'll look up we'll, our blood type and uh, find out what we need. Where did you get those organs? I'm uh, O positive if you need anything, Will. Mm-hmm. I'm O positive. You should shut up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not sure what I am. I once texted. I once thought about it and I'm like, I don't know, texted my mum and she said, I don't know. Yeah, I I'm like, if she that. doesn't know and I don't know, I don't think anyone on earth does. Yeah, there's no way anybody would ever be able to tell. They can't. I think I'm one of the normal ones. Yeah. yeah. What are you? What side of positive is that normal? Yeah, very normal. It's is like a universal that, donor. Can someone do something with that information now that you've made it public? Uh, yeah, they can give blood to me if I need a blood yeah, transfusion. Could they? Could they somehow like sort of build your DNA genome based yeah. on my most common blood type? Or could yeah. they? Get, Maybe. Could they get a credit card in your name? Oh, knowing my blood type, yes. Hi, I'm Jess Perkins. Are you? Can you prove it? My yeah. blood type's so positive. positive. Any further questions? No, no right, this way, Miss Perkins. Please, uh, please access this bank vault with a secret letter written in invisible ink on it. <laughs> it just uh, says, keep doing you. Hey, that would be something I would put in a vault because I'll never have money. Um, thank you to Will. I'd also like to thank from California. Oh. California. Oh, I went Hotel California. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you're doing it wrong. Welcome <laughs> to California. the Hotel California. <laughs> I'd like to thank Carly Hall. Carly Hall. Carly Hall. Hall. Carly's Hall of Horse Meat. <laughs> wow, Carly. Hall is hope- in like a. a- Passageway, or as in a big, no, like a, big like load, a, like the, the Great Hall, like the yeah, like the local town hall. Oh wow, Carly's Town Hall of horse meat. I seek. I really hope Carly is vegetarian. Is that so? Le- uh, <laughs> Jess hopes that all Alice's are vegetarian. Stop pushing your beliefs on yeah. them, Jess. Jess, Dis- disappointing. I just meant because you've you've given her meat, and she might not like that horse meat. It's a particular one as well. Yeah, right. it is a particular one. Yeah, it's a particular kind of meat. Comes from Horse. horses. Comes <laughs> from horses. So thank you to Carly and enjoy that haul of horse meat. Yeah, but stop horsing around. <laughs> Yuck. Uh, if I could thank a couple of our fantastic supporters as well, please. Please. Pleasey. Pause. Could I thank from Cremorne in New South Wales? We've also got a Cremorne. Yeah, day. I mean... <laughs> There's, there's so rich- many names. Why did we just name them all the same? There's thing? a Richmond there too. Yeah, there's Richmond's everywhere. Yeah. What's with Richmond? Who's Any- Richmond? From Cremorne, I'd love to thank Craig 
Scrobeck. Craig Scrobeck. He's bringing Scrobeck and uh, also... I think what he's got is a bottomless pit <laughs> of love. Uh-huh. Craig's bottomless Take pit of love. Take a dip in Craig's bottomless pit of love. Wow. Is it in the desert? Yeah. <laughs> and my, me saying Roy's riches got your abuse. Okay. Yep, bottomless, bottomless pit of love. That is pit of love. never ending. That commodity is invaluable. Invaluable and inexhaustible. Yeah. If you find Craig's bottomless, bottomless pit, pit of, of love. love. Good luck, though, because that is hard to find. Mm. 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 Does it exist? Craig, you tell us. Yeah, hard to say. I believe him. Takes yeah. work. Takes yeah. work to get Takes to that work. bottomless pit of love. It's about communication, mm. commitment, yeah. patience, and empathy. sulkiness. And sulk. Sulk. sulk to your heart's content. Have thank, a little sulk. Thank you so much, Mr. Craig Scrobeck. And I'd also love to thank from Eastern Cape, South Africa. Or South Africa. I mean, uh, Eastern Cape, that's obviously next to Lassiter's Reef and Point Cook. <laughs> I'd love to thank John Luke McGlagan. Ooh, I like oh, that. John Luke McGlagan. John Luke. Oh, yeah, John Luke McGlagan. Yeah, so it's a Scottish last name, sort of a French-sounding first name, and then he's in South Africa. Jean, what this, mean, Jean-Luc? He's a man of the world. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I like that a lot. I think he has found, stumbled across, hasn't been able to refine it since, but if we join him, he will find his big pit of... <laughs> It's another pit. It's another pit. <laughs> this one's got a bottom. <laughs> It's full, in fact, of golden bottom prints. So people... <laughs> What's that mean? It means people have had made plaster casts of their butts and <laughs> they've been filled with liquid gold until they harden and they've got hard golden butts. I've already got a hard golden butt. <laughs> and then they throw... Help them, me! They throw they them into throw a them in, And this was an, an ancient thing. It was a ceremony that used to happen. The king and the queen would both... <laughs> Goldenize their butts Ooh, uh, on their wedding night, and they would <laughs> chuck them in the pit of butts. Chuck them in the pit of butts, and then yeah, the you know, pit of butts. The civilization eventually fell down um, when they went for one night. Uh, when the king dropped trow, he found he was found to have three cheeks, <laughs> and that started the end of that civilization. Uh, and it was buried. It's buried somewhere under a jungle. It's buried under a jungle. Fell on top of it. Wow. So it is deep. But John Luke McLaughlin has found it, and he reckons he can f- uh, find our way back there. And we're we're with you all the way, John Luke. Hundred percent. I cannot wait for Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Golden Butt. Yeah. That sounds like it's going to be great. Yeah, it is. Can I make a cast of my butt? Yeah. Thank you. I've been doing squats. (laughs) I mean, my whole life is built up to this moment. (laughs) I I try to look at my butt and I can't see it. Oh, you got to double mirror that. What? What You got to get set up a double mirror. What do you mean you can't see it? Even like a, a, sing- dog- a single mirror should do Like a job. dog trying yeah. to like try to <laughs> not need a double mirror, surely. <laughs> no, a single mirror should. I'm really looking do right it. now. I can't. Oh, I can't see it. You need to get a mirror. And I mean, you're sitting on. Why your Why can't I just get a cast? I'm looking right at mine. Yeah. All right, mate. I'm looking at the. F- I'm looking at the front of mine. 
Anyhow, <laughs> front butt. <laughs> Thank you to all the Patreon supporters. You make a world of difference in the lives of us three people. Mm. And we hope that you uh, enjoy all the engagement that we also give you in the Patreon-only Facebook group. Yes. It's not just us chatting in there. You guys have started chatting a lot with each other. We love that. So good. Love jumping in there and getting distracted from other work. (laughs) It's it's real nice. It's a real, it's genuinely such a nice community. It's so nice and... um, can't wait to be it sounds like a bunch of people in there are going to be seeing us at upcoming live shows which is going to be really nice to meet people and there's a thread in there or there was a thread in there a month or so ago i think it still gets added to a little bit about where uh, people hope we come to in america and as we said i think in last week's or the week before's episode we're, we're really keen to start making some plans and if anyone has any expertise in the field of american podcast touring yeah, Please get in touch. Yeah. Are you some sort of diplomat that can wield some sort of power or give us diplomatic immunity, for example? Mm, mm, mm. Or, mm, as some people say, diplomatic immunity. That's what we're That's looking what for. That's what Jean-Luc would say. Yes. Yeah. Or Jean-Luc, <laughs> as I probably should have had a cracker just in case. Just in case. Jean-Luc. Uh, we should also say before we wrap up that uh, Dave and I do mini Dugon spin-off podcast. Dave does one about... Uh, classic novels. He reads them, so you don't have to. And he brings a couple of guests in, and he tells them in a very funny way. It's a very similar sort of setup to do go on. Yeah, a bit of a report happening, and uh, people chiming in. So recent episodes include stuff on Frankenstein, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I've also done Hamlet. So you know, Othello. Yeah, Christmas Carol. Do you guys? Yeah. So, yeah. but plenty <laughs> of books. And I, I do a podcast called Primates, and we're all on each other's pods. You should check them both out. Primates is all about primates and popular culture. Very silly idea, but it's just a whole lot of fun. Uh, we talk about <laughs> movies and TV shows and comics. I love it. Someone recently reviewed your podcast, Matt, and it said, this is way funnier than this idea deserves to be. Yeah. And that is <laughs> brilliant, brilliant summation. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't given it a go, I highly recommend it. I think people go, I don't care about primates yeah, and public no, You don't need to, to yeah. enjoy it. It's just the weird hook that you do just to have to have funny guests on and talk about a thing. So definitely check it out. Uh, a lot of people from around the Planet Broadcasting Network have been on. I've got a goal to get everyone who's got a podcast in this network to be a guest on my show at some point. Please check it out. Let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch, for, uh, do go on. You can get us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, do go on pod. Uh, Gmail is do go on pod at gmail.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash do go on pod. There's a little theme running here. Most things are just <laughs> do go on pod. And our website, do go on pod.com, has links to most of those things. And I probably should have just said that. But also in the show notes, you can look at them there as well. Yeah, just clicky clicky on your phone. Do it. Uh, if you have a suggestion for a topic, please get onto our website, click the suggest a topic button. Yeah, just a reminder, you don't have to be a Patreon supporter to suggest a topic. Anyone can do that at any time. That's right. So and it's like a 24-hour hotline, baby. If you've got a great idea for a topic, please uh, put that in. And give us a great spiel. I'm pretty sure because I put all the spiels uh, in the poll and I'm pretty sure there's no coincidence that the Lasseter's Reef spiel was probably also the most enticing. So if you do put in a good spiel, that definitely does help. Sell it, baby. And give us some good references. Yes, please. But that does bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We hope you'll join us again next week. But until then, I will say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye.
This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, it's up to you. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.